Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer-Moffitt, CEO of Raw Dog Feeding Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. What? Don't let friends feed kibble. That is right. That is right. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of itchy pets right now. We did the itchy pet webinar. Um, Here are three products that I really would recommend that you add to the raw diet if you haven't already done it. And you can combine these. Uh, or rotate these items. Uh, I would say potent C, potent C's and omega-3, phytosynergy, sprinkle on their food. It's amazing. Um, also, any of the turkey tail mood, uh, medicinal mushrooms are great as well. And so is the soil and C and phytos flora. Okay, so I had a little meeting with uh, those gals over to Dord Beast today. I said, hey, when we talk about itchy dogs, you know, some people really push the zinc thing. We don't like the individual um, trying to fix something with individual minerals, especially if they're trace minerals. So we like these whole foods that have other things in it that support the whole body. So these are the things that I would think about adding. Go to my supplement section. You'll find all of those there, okay? And let's give it some time. Also remember, it's still very cold. We got our heaters on. A lot of things that are causing dogs to itch. You got to get all the processed food, all the processed treat. No prescription diets, no cooked diets. Um, Get it very simple. You can also up the organs, guys. The organs are amazing. We have standalone organs. Most of our blends have 10% organs in them now. So you can add another 10% organs in your dog's diet. Now, remember, the the organs come in a one-pound roll, so that's 16 ounces, all right? So if you're going to add another 10% and you're feeding, let's say, 10 ounces, 10 ounces, then you're only going to add one ounce of organs. If your dogs get too loose of poops, you know they've had too many organs. All right? Simple enough? Awesome. All right. Hope you guys had a great Valentine's Day. A nice VD. (laughs) Oh, my. Okay. So here's what we're going to talk about today. You know, we were talking about this lawsuit, um, the one where I love it. Class action lawsuit. Uh, Keto uh, Pet Foods is suing uh, Hills, and they're they're bringing the suit uh, against Hills Pet Nutrition, uh, which again, you guys heard me talk earlier in the week, is a subsidiary of Colgate Palmolive. Good night. Uh, you would think we'd have some animal, um, you know, nutritionist people running this, but we don't. But anyway, you remember Lisa Freeman? She's one that came out and really said all this bogus stuff, but there's a few other of, of, of those uh, bogus people as well. Joshua Stern, Ryan Fries, uh, John Rush, uh, Darcy Adden. I can't believe all these people would join this. But anyway, 
Uh, some of you guys emailed me, texted me and said, hey, can you go over this a little bit more so that you would have information um, when you might go in and see your vet again? And maybe you were one of the people that was sort of duped into thinking that your dogs had DCM. And it was all about, you know, that you weren't giving your dogs grains. Mm. Okay, so... Here's the preliminary statement, guys. This lawsuit concerns an egregious, wide-ranging, and damaging campaign of coordinated, for-profit, faux-scientific misinformation by a large corporation, and it's about dog food. Number two, defendant Hills Pet Nutrition, Inc., and we're going to call them Hills from here on out, is the one is one of the largest and oldest pet food companies in the United States with annual revenues in excess of $2 billion and a corporate history stretching back more than 75 years. Because of its giant size and long history, Hills is one of only three self-styled, quote, traditional unquote, pet food companies in the United States. And then it says Nestle, Purina, Pet Care, and Mars Pet Care, both of which sell even more dog food than Hills being uh, the other pet food companies, okay? So number three in this uh, statement, it says Hills is unique among these three so-called traditional pet food companies for three different reasons. First, it's the smallest of the three. Its annual revenues dwarf those of most other pet food brands, but they are only about 20% of Purina's revenues. Second, as by far the largest maker of prescription-only diets, you know those are my favorites, uh, in the country, and uh, as the self-proclaimed number one vet-recommended brand, I'm throwing up in my mouth. But anyway, Hills is tied much more closely to the veterinary community than either Mars or Purina. For Mars and Purina, marketing to vets and distributing through vet clinics are both relatively inconsequential parts of their sprawling companies. For Hills, they are a major component of the business. And then the fourth thing, uh, um, and number four, it says the third thing that makes Hills unique among these three traditional pet food companies is its uniquely poor financial performance in the years leading up to 2018 um, when the misconduct at the heart of this suit began. And it's during this period, the market for pet foods made by non-traditional, that would be me, often independent brands was growing explosively. For example, from 2011 to 2017, uh, or maybe it's not me. Who is this? Uh, during this period, the market for pet foods made by non-traditional, often independent brands. Okay. Uh, for example, 2011 to 2017, sales of grain-free dog foods, a leading category among independent makers, rose from 15 to 44% of all dog food sales in American pet specialty stores. And Purina was so large and diversified that it weathered this storm successfully, growing steadily and preserving its market share from 2014 to 2017, but Hills did not. 
So over the same four-year period, Hill's annual revenues were pancake flat and its market share plunged more than 20%. Long the third largest seller of the complete diet for dog food in the country, Hills fell to fourth in 2018 after being taken over by Blue Buffalo, ooh, the largest of the new wave of non-traditional pet food brands. Okay, I'm not in that category. Let me say that. I'm not in the Blue Buffalo category. All right. Uh, point number five is thus beginning no later than 2018, Hills and a cluster of associates uh, associated entities and individuals, and that's who we call the defendants, who I said in the top of the podcast, embarked on a drastic and unlawful course to reverse this slide. And what uh, I'm going off script here, I'm not reading at this moment, but think about what I'm saying here, guys. The slide means that their profits their profits were coming down. And that's the problem, right? It had nothing to do, had nothing to do with um with the um the health of the dog. This all had to do with profits. Okay. And this is how crazy stuff, you know, happens. And you wonder, why would you hurt people's health? Why would you hurt dog's health? Because it's all about profits. Okay. So let me go on. Um, So these defendants that I named at the top of the hour, they carried out a scheme to falsely convince American dog owners that a massive, unrelated, and hugely diverse group of dog food products essentially any product made by any of the hundreds of independent firms that were collectively eroding Hill's market share, all of these increased the risk and severity of a deadly canine heart disease called DCM, dilated cardiomyopathy. Okay. Point number six, to carry out the scheme, Hills, along with a group of closely bound academic veterinarians and front organizations operating on Hills' behalf, acted in a coordinated conspiracy. What? Yes, the scheme, which is ongoing to this day, has several related strands, all of which serve to promote the false idea that non-traditional dog foods raise the risk of canine DCM. Point number seven. First, and most explosively, the veterinary defendants fraudulently induced the United States Food and Drug Administration, that is the FDA for short, to launch a high-profile high profile investigation into DCM. And they did this by deliberately I got to refrain from adding my own stuff. But they did this by deliberately cherry picking cases of DCM involving non traditional dog food brands while intentionally excluding cases involving traditional brands and submitting them to the FDA all at once. This cherry picky scheme created the illusion that DCM was alarmingly common among dogs fed non-traditional diets, forcing the FDA to take drastic action 
by alerting the public and launching a formal investigation. Point number eight. As to be expected, the FDA's and DCM's investigation garnered a storm of mainstream media coverage over its first 12 months, causing an immediate and steep decline in the demand for non-traditional dog foods. But the investigation never actually turned up any link between the disease and the targeted products. For more than five years on, the FDA investigation has still found no evidence that non-traditional dog foods play any role whatsoever in causing or exasperating canine DCM. Point number nine. The second strand of defendant's scheme, Hill's co-conspirators, the veterinarian defendants, what they do? They authored study after study about DCM and then mischaracterized the findings. In reality, none of these papers actually found any meaningful correlation between non-traditional dog foods and either DCM incident rates or shorter lifespans. However, the veterinary defendants, as well as Hill itself, repeatedly and consistently pointed to the studies as evidence for the bogus claim that DCM is associated with non-traditional dog foods, when in reality, they do not support this claim. Point number 10. To attach the specter of DCM to all of its smaller competitors, defendants coined a catchy acronym and repeatedly used it to describe their products. B-E-G diets for boutique, exotic, and grain-free. Hundreds of highly diverse products meet the B-E-G definition, and there's no single quality that they all share other than competing with Hills, as such, the term was never used by the FDA and failed to catch on in peer review literature. But the defendants, those vets I talked about are on the top of the podcast, well, they kept using it in public-facing statements anyway, driving it into public consciousness through mere repetition. Point 11. Because a major component of Hill's sales strategy is promotion and sale um, through the veterinarians and veterinary clinics, the bogus claim that BEG diets are associated with DCM was easily incorporated into sales and marketing materials provided to vets by Hills, who then passed the message along to their trusting clients. However, as a large and sophisticated corporation, Hills realized that spreading misinformation about its competitors' products would expose it to liability. So it sought to obscure its role by putting the false statements in the mouth of its co-conspirators or under their watch and then amplifying or just referring to them. 
the defendants, the vets who I named at the top of the podcast, also communicated the message directly to the public. Some of the writings authored by the veterinary defendants about the corporate danger of BEG diets were consumer-friendly articles published on publicly accessible websites. And these writings were not peer-reviewed and contained a litany of false statements about BEG diets. Nevertheless, they were consumed voraciously by the general public. The author of the first of the articles even bragged that had been that that their article had been read more than 180,000 times in just a few weeks. Point number 13. Hills also used its own website to promote these consumer-facing articles and the false statements they contained, publishing web pages about DCM that included links to the articles and encouraging vets to promote the articles on their own social media channels, effectively treating the articles as valid scientific evidence when, in reality, they are not. And this spread the misinformation about GE, uh, B, BEG foods and DCM further among consumers. Point number 14, the defendants, those vets I named earlier in the podcast, also created and fostered social media environments, including at least one Facebook group that was an echo chamber, suppressing any contradiction of the propaganda campaign. And through these varied means, defendants, those vets I named at the top of the hour, created and maintained the false impression that BEG diets have been found to raise the risk of a deadly disease, when in reality, they have not. This is an impression that still remains in the mind of the consuming public, impacting its purchasing decisions to this very day. Point number 15. The campaign has caused staggering losses to spread across a vast swath of the U.S. pet food industry. And this is because BEG diets, as defined by the defendants, those vets I named at the top of the hour, is a group composed of literally every dog food made in the country, except for those made by Hills and three other companies. Defendants' false claims about the dangers of pet food from, from smaller manufacturers has scared billions. That's what the B billions of dollars of business away from smaller manufacturers and into Hill's coffers. Okay, now my dog quit barking. I'm going to go on. <laughs> She's probably going to start barking as soon as I start again. But in the four years immediately preceding the launch of the FDA's investigation, Hill's lost 20% of its market share. In the five years since the investigation began, it has been arguably the fastest-growing pet food company in the country. Point number six, plaintiff, keto natural. That's the 
pet food company bringing this lawsuit, is one of the hundreds of smaller pet food brands, that would be me, whose products, practices, and reputation were tarred irrevocably by this widespread campaign of systematic disparagement. Through a lengthy, self-financed Freedom of Information Act lawsuit, Keto's natural founder and CEO, Daniel Shuloff, uncovered the key evidence of defendants' scheme. And the defendants are those vets that I named earlier in the podcast. In the form of non-public emails, they found these and other electronic communications sent by the co-conspirators to the FDA. Point number 17, uh, through this suit, Keto Natural and the class of similar situated pet food brands that Keto Natural represents aims to correct the false public record about DCM, rehabilitate the reputation of so-called non-traditional diets, and expose defendants, those vets I named at the top of the hour, unlawful scheme, and obtain some measure of justice for the shocking misconduct. Now I'm going to take a break here and just add my two cents worth. I'm not sure that this is going to do any good. I don't believe one sphincter iota that Mars, Heels, any of these guys are going to correct their pet food. No, no, no. What I really believe is going to happen, somebody's going to get paid off. They're going to wipe this or under the rug, or they're just going to slant it in a different way and come out with a different type food or different um, different slant on why um, their food's the best. Because remember, this is all corruption happens when profit profits plummet because they don't give a rip about health. It's about profits, folks. All right? about profits, and we're talking in the billions. So how many billions of dogs, how many millions of dogs, how many of your dogs suffered because you have been given misinformation? You gotta wonder. All right, point number 18. Plaintiff Keto Natural is a for-profit Delaware corporation with its principal place out of Salt Lake City, Utah, and they manufacture and sell pet foods, treats, and supplemental products, okay? Defendant Hills is a for-profit Delaware corporation with its principal place of business in Topeka, Kansas. And uh, Hills is a wholly owned subsidiary of Colgate Palmolive, a publicly traded Delaware for-profit corporation with its principal place of business in Wilmington, Delaware. And like Keto Natural, Hills also manufactures and sells, you know, food treats and supplements. Um, so now we're getting into these defendants and what did they do and who are they? Well, point number 20, defendant Morris Animal Foundation, MAF, and it's a Colorado nonprofit corporation with its principal place of business in Denver, Colorado. And MAF's stated mission is to bridge science and resources to advance the health of animals. It was created by the founder of Hills, Mark Morris. Okay. Point number 21, Defendant Mark Morris Institute, MMI, 
is a Kansas nonprofit foundation with its principal place of business in Topeka, Kansas. And according to its 2022 annual report, MMI provides non-commercial, evidence-based, I'm going to cough on that, companion animal nutrition education for veterinarians and students of veterinary medicine around the world through publications and nutrition education courses at veterinary schools and colleges. MMI is funded entirely through financial support by Hills. Now, hang on. I'm going to step out of this for a second of reading. So what you just heard was that MMI is a nonprofit uh, corporation foundation. But what they do is do nutrition education for veterinary students, and that's funded through Hills. Huh. Would that be why they would never support a raw diet? You gotta wonder, folks. All right, point number two defendant Lisa M. Freeman. Yeah. She's a citizen of the state of Massachusetts and currently resides in around uh, Massachusetts. And I don't really care about that, but I guess I got to say it. And then you've got John Rush. These are vets, by the way. Uh, he's also in Massachusetts. And then you've got Darcy B. Adden. She's a in the state of Florida and she resides in Florida. And you've got Joshua Stern. He's in California and resides in California. And Ryan Fries, he resides around Champaign, Illinois. Okay. As if we care where they reside, but I guess you got to put it in the suit. Okay. Let's see. Um, what else do I want to, I maybe I'm going to skip the jurisdiction. Um, part of this um let me see if this is of any concern that you guys care about where this jurisdiction okay so let's go to the statement of facts background information about the defendants defendants are the people that uh they're getting sued because they put out misinformation those vets i talked about the first at the podcast all right so this is point number two, 32 Hills has a long history of profiting by marketing its products through veterinarians who, in turn, promote them to their clients. That be y'all, okay? Hills also has vast influence over some of the highest-profile veterinarians in the country, though whom it skews the medical literature and ensures that the messages beneficial to Hills would be promoted. Did I say that right? It has used the, oh, oh, I skipped a line. Uh, through whom it skews the medical literature and ensures that the messages are beneficial to Hills and that these, uh, it, that this information would be promoted. It has used this network to disseminate a false message that has unfairly harmed um, all of these other pet food companies and all others similar, uh, similarly situated. Point number three. According to its website, the corporate entity that would become Hills was founded in 1948 by a veterinarian named none other than Mark Morris Sr. 
And after a few decades of steady growth in 1976, the company, Hills, was acquired by the multinational consumer product firm Colgate-Palmolive. And Colgate still owns Hills today. Now, Hills developed its marketing strategy. Listen to this, folks. Marketing strategy based on other successful Colgate strategies. So around that time that Colgate acquired Hills, it had recently achieved tremendous success with a first-of-its-kind marketing campaign whereby the company's dental products were sold to consumers by marketing the products to their dentist. Colgate soon decided to adopt a similar strategy with its new pet food acquisition, telling the public that Hill's dog food had the approval of veterinarians. In an article published in the Wall Street Journal in 1997, John Steele, who is Colgate's former senior vice president of global marketing and sales, described the strategy as follows. And you got to hear this, folks. Quote, it's just like taking drugs. You go to the doctor and he prescribes something for you and you don't much question what the doctor says. It's the same with animals, end quote. Calm myself down there. Um, and then also it says, um, this is from Tara Parker Pope. Colgate gives doctors treats for plugging its food brands in the Wall Street Journal in 1997. And uh, he was quoting John Steele up there, as you heard. Okay, so here's point number five, uh, 35, sorry. The results of the new strategy were outstanding. By focusing on marketing to veterinarians instead of directly to you guys, the consumer, Hills grew from only $40 million in annual sales in 1982, from $40 million to nearly $900 million by 1997. Guys, that's an increase of over 2,000%. Okay. Point number 36. In the years that followed, Hills built its brand around marketing to veterinary professionals. As John Still said of Hills' marketing budget in the same Wall Street Journal article quoted above, the bulk, and I'm quoting, the bulk of our expenditure goes to the veterinary community. The company developed a robust line of prescription-only vet uh, pet food products that, like medications, could only be purchased with a veterinarian's prescription. And in quotes, it says, despite the prescription designation, Hill's prescription diets are not actually FDA approved. And Hill's has, in fact, been sued over misrepresenting that they are, end quote. Today, both Hills prescription and non-prescription products are distributed through thousands of veterinary clinics around the country. And vets, well, they're able to charge a markup on every bag of Hills sold through their clinics. According to the company's website, Hills is honored to be 
the number one veterinarian recommended brand of pet food in the United States. All right, point 37, folks. Hill's distribution model is supported by a sophisticated sales and marketing apparatus, one featuring free continuing veterinary education courses for vets and vet technicians. They get product literature, incentive programs, and a small army of Hills veterinarians functioning as sales representatives. As explained below, this network provides Hills with extraordinary access to America's veterinarians. Through the channels of communication, it is built over a period of decades. The company has the means of speaking in a direct and coordinated fashion to veterinary professionals, whether about the supposed benefits of its product or, as the case may be, the supposed dangers of its competitors. The present scale of its influence within the veterinary research community is staggering. One way that Hills exerts its influence over the veterinary community is through universities. By selectively funding research and other strategic priorities of many of American accredited, accredited veterinary schools, yeah, that's how they influence the veterinary community, guys. And as of 1997, Hills was funding a nutrition, oh my gosh, tell me this isn't so, a nutrition professorship in nearly half of the veterinary schools in America, a leading veterinary nutrition textbook from the time Small Animal Clinical Nutrition was edited by Two Hills employees dedicated to Mark Morris, Sr., the founder of Hills, and featured art on the rear cover, which read, Compliments of Hills. What? That's disgusting. All right. Moving on to point 39, guys. Moreover, according to Hills' own website, the company directly through the 200 veterinarians that it employs around the world funds more than funds more than 50 research papers and textbook chapters each year oh my point number 40 another may uh, major way in which hills influences the veterinary community is through a number of affiliated cutouts Entities that appear to be independent, nonprofit organizations operating with their own benevolent agendas, when in reality they are largely or entirely fronts for Hills and its financial interests. And one of these cutouts is Defendant MAF. And that organization was founded by Mark Morris Sr also the founder of Hills, in 1948. Since its inception, a rotating cast of Hills officers, directors, and other agents have served on its board of trustees. Presently on the board are David Morris, 
the grandson of Mark Morris, and Deborah Davenport, who was the director of professional education at Hills Pet Nutrition for 21 years from 1990 to 2011, and who is currently also the executive director of the Hills-funded Mark Morris Institute. Uh, Institute. And Mark Morris Institute is a defendant in this lawsuit, okay? Point number 42, the Morris Animal Foundation, also a defendant, okay, the one of the folks being sued, the Morris Animal Foundation funds its operations from earnings on its endowment as well as additional charitable donations. In its most recent publicly available tax filing, MAF did not disclose the identities of its largest recent donors. Hmm. However, its website indicates that it still also uses earnings from a large from the large endowment that allowed for its creation. That endowment was funded by profits from sales of Hills products. So you guys funded it. <laughs> That's terrible. Okay. Uh, the primary function, this is point 43. The primary function of MAF is to fund veterinary research products and institutions. In fact, the organization claims to be the largest non-governmental sponsor of companion animal health studies in the world. As of April 2023, it had provided more than $149 million in funding to approximately 3,000 different veterinary studies. The 2022 filing indicates that it provided large grants to at least 16 different veterinary schools and universities in 2021. It has funded many studies conducted by the veterinary defendants, those vets I named at the top of the hour, and or at the universities with which they are associated. Point number 44, another important Hills cutout is defendant MMI. And like MAF, MMI was also founded by Mark Morris Sr., an MMI's annual report contains the disclosure MMI is funded through educational support from Hills Pet Nutrition. At present, three members of MMI, uh, eight member board of trustees, are full time Hills employees and work for. Uh, and uh, oh, wait a minute, let me restate that. Eight member board of trustees are full-time Hills employees and four work for veterinary schools and other organizations that have received major funding from Hills or MAF. In in um, in, in uh, quotations here, uh, uh, not quotations, uh, it's in uh, brackets. It says, the eighth director is a lawyer. How convenient! All right. Whereas MAF serves Hill's financial interest by funding scientific studies and institutions that produce friendly research, MMI does so by shaping what veterinary professionals are taught about nutrition, both during and after veterinary school. 
And it does this by producing textbooks, continuing education courses, and amazingly, ready-made veterinary nutrition courses complete with credentialed faculty, course materials, lectures, and more. And it offers these turnkey nutrition programs to fully accredited university completely free of charge. From the MM website, it says, The Mark Morris Institute University Teaching Program in Companion Animal Clinical Nutrition offers current, non-commercial nutrition learning activities at no cost to the hosting school. We offer a series of live, in-person, or online lectures, recorded lectures, case-based discussions, practical exercises, in quotes, laboratories, and uh, learning modules, which can be combined to create a customized clinical nutrition course, elective or required for your institution. According to its annual report, MMI currently serves 19 of the 33 AVMA accredited or provisionally accredited veterinary schools in the U.S. Four out of five in Canada, both accredited and Caribbean schools and the only AVMA accredited school in Mexico. Holy crap! Yeah. <sighs> Okay, I got to pause right here because basically, as I've just read, guys, is exactly what Connor Brady said. And what Connor Brady said was there's a four step process. You create the information that you want people to hear. Then you, and you own that information, you create it, you own it. Then you distribute that information to the people that are going to be your mouthpieces, your soldiers, your salespeople. And thirdly, you incentivize them, as of course we have seen, that they can mark up every single bag of crap that goes out of their offices. And four, Dr. Brady and which we've seen from these companies over and over again, then you just deny it, deny it, deny it, deny it until you can deny it no more. And then you've got a buttload of money that you can fight it in court and, you know, spin it any way you want. Go out again. If you guys are not seeing this, I can't help you. Wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Your dogs are being harmed for profit. All right, point forty-five. We're almost done. How many points you got in here? Let me just look. There's, there's, there's not that much more. Okay, there's not that much more. We're on point forty-five. But I think you guys, you know, a lot of you guys aren't going to sit down and read this. I'm going to read it to you. Um. All right. So point forty-five is this. Uh, MMI is a non profit private foundation and because it offers its courses for free it operates almost exclusively on charitable contributions well according to its tax filings since no later than 2017 all of these contributions have come from a single entity hills hmm. 
Point 46. One final way that Hills influences the veterinary community is by providing significant funding to influential professional organizations such as the American Veterinary Medical Association. And for short, you guys, they're called AVMA. Founded in 1863 and with more than 100,000 members, AVMA champions itself as the collective voice of the veterinary profession and the nation's leading advocate for the veterinary profession. Among other professional activities and initiatives, AVMA hosts an annual convention and publishes the Journal of the American Veterinary Medical Association. That's called J-A-V-M-A, the most widely read veterinarian, veterinary science journal in the world, in the world. Point 47, many of the key articles written by defendants, those vets I talked about at the top of the hour, suggesting that BEG, non-traditional foods, calls DCM. Yeah, those were published in the J-V-M-A. And I'm going to pop out of reading now, and I'm going to say, so that was the most read journal in the world. And they were posting these um, bogus articles about DCM. So all the vets everywhere were reading this, thinking it was true, I guess. Uh, All right. Point 48, AVMA has redacted what? Wait, okay, I like this one. AVMA has redacted the identities of its financial contributors from its tax returns in recent years as well. But Hills has been a diamond, in quote, diamond sponsor of the AVMA annual convention each of the last three years. In the two preceding years, the event was held online due to the pandemic. A status indicating a sponsorship uh, in excess of $200,000 each of 2021 and 2022, and they sponsored in excess of $220,000 in 2023, and I'm talking about Hills, all right? So basically what that just said was um, during uh, the conferences, Hills is a major sponsor, and I don't know if you guys have ever sponsored anything, but sponsors get treated really well, and they get to do whatever they doggone well please. So, what does that tell you? Point 49, the American Veterinary Medical Foundation, AVMF, is a standalone, not-for-profit organization, and it's distinct from the AVMA. But in its own words, it operates as the, quote, charitable arm of the AVMA. In recent years, a material fraction of AVMFs, which is the Medical Foundation, the American Veterinary Medical Foundation's revenues, have come from gifts and donations. What that say? It says the AV, the American Veterinary Medical Foundation's uh, revenues have come from gifts and donations. Okay, and I'm going on now. But the source and precise value of these gifts is not a matter of public record because, like AVMA, the AVMF redacts this information from its tax returns. Hmm. 
Nevertheless, press releases show that it has received considerable funding from Hills as well. And according to these press releases in various years over the past 15 years, Hills has donated to the uh, Animal Veterinary Medical Foundation in amounts between 10000 and a million. All right. Um, we only have a, a, a few more uh, points here. And this one is interesting. This is the point where veterinary defendants and their connections to Hills. And this is about Lisa Freeman, Dr. Freeman, who just everybody thought Dr. Freeman. Oh, my gosh. She's talking about DCM. Okay, Dr. Freeman. All right, number 50. Across its vast sphere of veterinary influence, Hills has perhaps no more willing and energetic research partner than defendant, those vets I named at the beginning of the podcast. And this is Dr. Lisa Freeman. She's an influential veterinarian who writes and publishly and publishes extensively both in scholarly journals and consumer-friendly contexts in her position as a veterinary professor at Tufts University. Dr. Freeman has been receiving financial support from Hills since at least 1998. And at that time, she was the lead author on an article concerning the impact of diet and fish oil on dogs with heart failure. Notes at the end of the article indicate that the work was completed in conjunction with a PhD degree for Dr. Freeman and that the grant supporting it included funding from the Mark Morris Institute and Hills Pet Nutrition. Oh, Dr. Freeman! All right, point 51. During the same period, she published another article, and it was entitled Antioxidant Status in Dogs with Idiopathic Dilated Cardiomyopathy, which also contained a note that the work was supported in part by Hills Pet Nutrition. Okay. Point 52. As reported by the organization 100 reporters in its report entitled did industry funding influence an fda investigation into canine heart disease and grain-free dog food and that um and um and um let me let me redo that because it was going on there was something in the middle of this as reported by the organization 100 reporters in its report it, it put a report out. And I remember sending this to customers who were like, my vets and my dogs got DCM. And they just wouldn't, you know, for some reason, I don't know. They just don't believe what we have to say, but whatever. Okay. So did industry funding influence an FDA investigation into canine heart disease and grain-free dog food? Um, over the past 20 years, Dr. Friedman has authored studies now funded by Hills and or its peer, Legacy Kibble Pet Food Companies, Mars, and Nestle Purina Pet Care. Uh, she was funded by them a total of at least 30 different times. Hmm. I've got some money. Okay. So 53.53. And I think there's only uh, 58 points here. Um. No, there, there's quite a few more. 
So I may break this up into two podcasts. Um just so you guys can digest this. Okay. So we're going to go to point 62 and then on my next podcast, I will move on and uh, read the rest of it. Um, 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 let me, let me, let me, let me, let me see where we are. Oh, we were at 52, weren't we? Okay. So now we're going to 53. Up through the summer of 2022, Dr. Freeman routinely stated that in the preceding three years, she had received research funding from given sponsored from given sponsored lectures for and/or provided professional services to companies that included Hills Nutrition. And at least one key article, she specifies that she has given sponsored lectures for Hills. 54, Dr. Freeman is a veterinary nutritionist. Now that's questionable. Okay, I'm coming back now. Dr. Freeman is a veterinary nutritionist, but with respect to the impact of BEG foods, her research focus is cardiology, the impact of these foods on dogs' hearts. And at her university, Puffs, the veterinary cardiology laboratory is called the Yang Laboratory, named after Dr. Vicki Yang, who was Dr. Freeman's sometime, you know, co-author on studies of diet-related DCM. So number 55, defendant MAF, one of Hill's affiliated cutouts, is one of only three listed funders of the Yang Laboratory. Point 56, in addition to its support for the Yang Laboratory through MAF and its relationship to the Tufts faculty members working there, Hills, through MAF, has provided nearly half a million dollars in additional grant money for research studies at Tufts since 2015. And I'm going to step out of reading here. And where have we heard this? In the Fauci stories, right? He holds the money. And if you don't do the grants, if you don't do the work, if you don't toe the line, if you don't do the narrative, you ain't getting the money, honey. This is how it works. You ain't getting no money unless you do what I say. This is not independent research. When I want your independent research, I'll give it to you, which is what they do. All right, number 57. Dr. Freeman is also a co-founder of the Pet Foodology website. It's the official blog of the Clinical Nutrition Service at Defendant Tufts University Coming School of Veterinary Medicine. Ooh. Ooh. Pet Foodology. Ooh. All sponsored by Hills. Okay, Doc. Uh, point 58. According to its About Us section, Pet Foodology has three founders. Uh, defendant Lisa Freeman and two other vets, Dr. Deborah Linder and Dr. Kaylin Hines. Dr. Freeman's financial ties to Hills were outlined above, but Dr. Linder and Dr. Hines are financially tied to Hills as well. Shocker. According to a disclosure statement on the pet foodology site, Dr. Hines is an employee of. MMI, who is a defendant in this lawsuit, okay? 
the Mark Morris Institute. In fact, though not spelled out in the pet foodology disclosure language, Dr. Hines is the executive director and chief academic officer for MMI, the Mark Morris Institute. And Dr. Linder, for her part, has received speaker fees or research funding from Defendant Hills and has provided professional services for Defendant Mark Morris Institute. Um, wow. All right. 59. Notably, in what seems to be disingenuous language on the why should you trust us? Why should you trust us? Okay. I got to come down. Notably, in what seems to be a disingenuous 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 language on the why should you trust us page of the pet foodology site all three state and quoting we are not employees of any pet food companies and we don't have any ownership interest in any companies that make pet food treats or supplements end quote and while these statements may be literally true they are highly misleading because they don't disclose any of the extensive financial conflicts of interest that the founders do have with Hills. Point 60 here. As described further, uh, Dr. Freeman has posted four articles on the Pet Foodology website suggesting a connection between BEG diets and DCM. And Hills uh, links to one of those articles on its own website. Point 61, consistent with its broader practice of using veterinarians to influence consumer behavior, Hills also actively promotes Dr. Freeman's pet foodology blog to pet owners by encouraging veterinary professionals to send their clients to it. In a section of the Hills website specifically designed for veterinary professionals, and that's hillsvet.com, among the quote-unquote free resources for vets that the company provides are templates for veterinarians and their technicians to use in social media posts to direct clients to the Pet Foodology site. Okay, and then they, in this, they, they put a picture of the Pet Foodology site. And the last one I'll quote uh, tonight is uh, 62. It says, in another free resource available on the Hills website, a downloadable all-in-one resource for navigating nutrition discussions with clients, Hills describes the Pet Foodology site as reliable pet nutrition website with easy-to-understand perspectives on pet nutrition science. And then they show it here. And they says they say, as explained, um, you know, it says uh, other reliable pet nutrition website resources referenced on the guide are platforms for misinformation propagated by Hills as well. Both Freeman and Hills obscure the connections between them why why Hills tells professionals in the public that pet foodology is a reliable source for information on its competitors' products. Oh my goodness, guys. I I, 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 I 
Wow. You know what this really is? Um, and hang on, I'm going to just check out. So we ended at 62.62. And let me just thumb through here and see. Oh, it's long. It's very long. Yeah, obviously tonight you'd be like, what? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh my. There's 304 points in here. <laughs> you guys are going, what? Um, but anyway, I think I don't know. I mean, maybe you guys should just read this on your own. I know you won't. That's why I was reading it to you. But it's crazy. It's crazy um, what they do, right? Uh, this this is a master class in marketing, right? Let's take any business, any business out there. You own the information, okay? You write the information. You own the information. Now, you've got to find a big group of people, influencers, to distribute that information, to be your salespeople. And not only that, but you, you, you incentivize them, right? Influencers get paid. You incentivize them. You, you make them these professionals, you have conventions, you sponsor the conventions. I mean, you are rocking it. And then, you know, if anything goes wrong with your product, you just deny it, deny it, deny it. Hope you have enough money to, and they do, to, um, to fight the lawsuits. Oh my, my head hurts. I mean, not that we don't deal with this every single day of our lives, guys. Not just in the DCM thing. I mean, and 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 so far, I haven't received any. You know, I was wrong. You were right. Emails. Not that you have to send me any, but I I could probably pull up the ones where the people were like, "Oh, who are you? I'm gonna listen to my bet, and I'm gonna put my dog on this other food." That's okie doke. Um, but. Yeah, my head hurts. It hurt. It hurts. It's it, it it's like What do you do? You just what do here's what you do. You do what my team has always said. What I've said, what Neely said, what Dr. Jessica said, what Andy said, Dr. Andy, Dr. Cowan, Dr. Kaufman. Dr. Billinghurst. I mean, you just have to reach the folks that you can reach. And and I think that, um, you know, Dr. Morgan's been reading this. I think that Pet Medics has been reading this. You know, everybody, we've been talking about this because finally, you know, there's evidence that shows that we knew our sphincter. We knew our sphincter from on the ground. <laughs> Why? Well, because we're not paid off we're not we're not paid influencers we're just people who love pets people who want pets to be healthy and and seeing um a lot of sick dogs guys and think about it if they're the largest pet food company what did dr morgan say i think she said 19 million a billion i'm sorry b billion um, and, and, and these are all the candy companies and then, you know, these big ones. So they're like 19 and 12, but uh, they're, they're huge. How many dogs out there 
do you think are eating this crap? And this isn't specifically about um, pet nutrition. This lawsuit's over. Well, it's it, it's about you know a scam. It's it's about trying to convince the the pet parents that their dog had this problem and they needed to be on this food. But we see that every day in all different categories, right? Your dog's got kidney disease. It can't. It's allergic to everything. It's got to be on hydrolyzed protein. I mean, we see it every day. And we're like, dang, what kind of joke did God play on these animals? I mean, he created them to eat raw food, but then he created these human beings without a brain that say, oh, no, they can eat. They've evolved to eat, as I call it, cookies, cake, and chemicals. The triple C, cookies, cakes, and chemicals. Mm. What kind of God is that? All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, listen, you know what we're doing uh, next Tuesday? What is that date? Uh, That's going to be February 20th. We're going to do a new feeders webinar. All you folks out there that just got started on the raw diet, we're going to help you. We're going to help you not be so afraid about what the poops look like. We're going to help you be confident in what you're feeding, like real bones. Yes, real bones. We're going to talk to you a little bit about poop colors, uh, water, variety, vegetables, mm, supplements. It's going to be me and Niels. Me and Niels, and you're going to be invited um, to this webinar. You will have to have a link to get in. Yes, you will. And uh, so I'm going to get that ready. I'm going to get that ready for you. And... um, if you're on my email list, and I really got to get a better email list, you know, I haven't, I haven't really ever done this like huge, you know, and I hate this word marketing, but tell, but, but what I know is that I got to tell you guys why you might want to use this supplement. Uh, what's going on when your dog is doing the burpees or the foamy stuff in the morning, you know, what's happening? Um, those type of things. And then my professionals can come in and talk to you about medications and stuff like that, like Dr. Jasek, blood work, all that kind of stuff. So um, I am going to get that done this year pretty quickly so that I can give you guys a lot more information. Now, listen, we have our learning center. There's a lot of information in that. Obviously, we have this blog. Um, I would love it if you would send people over to the Raw Dog Food Truth podcast. Uh, If you have questions, send them in. Go to our chat, send them in. Um, but we're going to do this new feeders webinar and we're going to start doing every uh, several different things every month. Okay, that's that's part of our uh, commitment to help educate you guys and to help you. Um, so we've also got the rabies uh, webinar coming up. What's the truth about rabies? And uh, that's going to be amazing. So I don't have anything for you to sign up on just yet on my website, but I'm going to get that in the next couple of days. So watch for that. Um, And I will have that link out there and I'll tell you where it's going to be. But anyway, it is going to be on February 20th. And that's when we're going to do the new feeders webinar. All righty. Perfecto. If you want a copy of this uh, lawsuit, 
you can just email me at info at rawdogfoodandco.com. Info at rawdogfoodandco.com. I'll be glad to send you a copy. Not a problem. All right. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.